uh, this morning, we're continuing our series on relationships, right? We've talked a few weeks ago, Pastor Ryan preached on Genesis 2.18. He talked about how it's not good for man to be alone, right? How we're made for each other. We're made for community, right? We, we need one another in this life. And, and first and foremost, we have to have our relationship with God correct first before we can have right relationships with one another. So we're kind of walking through that and figuring out in different areas of our life what it looks like to have relationships that thrive, right? That, that, are, that are solid, that are, are based on what God has to say, right? Because we don't, we don't want just okay friendships and relationships with our family, right? We, we, want, we want the best God-honoring relationships possible. Last week, we talked about our moms on Mother's Day and, and what that looks like. And then two weeks ago, we talked about marriage. If you remember that, we looked at what Scripture had to say about marriage and how it points us ultimately to Jesus, and what he's done for us. Now today, we're going to look at parenting, okay? So th- this is exciting. Why? Well, for one, we have some parents in the room. Um, hi, hi, mom. No, I'm kidding. Um, and we all have some sort of parents in our lives as well, right? No matter what, um, you know, your, your situation looked like. Some of us might have great parents who love the Lord. You have, you have a, a good family that seeks to teach you the things of God. That's, that's good. There are some of us with different experiences, right? Some of us with parents that may not be believers, that may not be Christians. Um, some of us might have parents that we feel like have abandoned us or, or whatever the situation is. We, we all have different family life, different circumstances and different parents. But whatever your situation is, the word of God can speak into that situation. Whatever, whatever your situation looks like, we, we want to look at what the Word of God has to say. And we know that, the as, as Brooke prayed earlier, we know that the eternal God has revealed himself and spoken to us in his Word. And so whatever we're going through, whatever situation or circumstance life is giving us, we know that the Word of God can speak into it, right? So what I want to do this morning is to answer this question. This is, this is sort of the question. What is God's way of parenting? Okay? And, and more broadly, like in parentheses, this is really what is, it, it could be called, what is God's way of living life? Okay? It, it can be, it could be more broad, right? I'm, I want to answer the question, what, what is God's way of parenting? But really, what is, what is God's way of living life? How can I glorify God in everything that I do in my life? So that's what we're going to seek to do. And I'm going to do it by uh, looking at Deuteronomy 6, Verses four through nine. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Brooke already read it. We're gonna we're gonna be walking through it, and I want you to to follow along and, and hopefully see what I see in the scripture because I want you to see it for yourself. Okay, and again, sort of like we did for marriage a couple weeks ago. Most of you aren't married, right? But we still need to know what God says about marriage so that we can know how to help people who are, for one. And also for yourself one day if, if God does call you to marriage. So there's, there's a lot of things that we can be doing. And we, we want to lay the foundation for parenting. Lay the foundation. Again, it's not everything that God has to say, but we need to have a firm foundation. Know what we believe, 
right? Um, and, and look from the scriptures to see what, it, what is God's way of doing this. Why? Again, because sort of reason 1A is because if you are going to be a parent someday, you should know these things, right? And, and build your foundation on the word of God and not what the culture has to say. And sort of reason 1B is for your family right now, whatever it looks like, right? You can do your best to encourage your parents, your guardians, whoever you live with, whatever your situation looks like, you can do your best to encourage them to take these steps, to, to live this way, to live the way that Scripture calls us to so that we can glorify God in everything we do. Does that make sense? So we want to build a foundation and see what the Word of God says. And again, as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus in here, you don't want to know just what the culture has to say, right? I, I don't, I don't want to know what just the culture or the world has to say about parenting, for example, right? I might be able to learn something from whatever, Jack from This Is Us or whatever. Like, we might be able to learn something from him, right? But ultimately, all families, all experiences, and you and I know this, every, every relationship is going to experience some level of brokenness because of the sin that is so pervasive in our hearts and in the world, right? So, although we might be able to learn something from, from good dads here on earth and, the, and, and moms, the world and the culture might teach us something. Ultimately, we want to build our lives upon the Word of God and what it has to say. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So I want to know what God's way of parenting is, but really could be more generally God's way of living. So open up to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And here's the main point of the sermon. I'm just going to give it to you. You can write it down if you want. I think it'll be on the screens. It's this. Here's what I want us to see. God commands his people to love him, to love his word, and to teach it and model it to their children. Okay? God commands his people to love him, to love his word, and to teach it and model it to their children or the next generation. All right? So we're answering the question, what is God's way of parenting? From this text, there's three answers that I see and I want you to see as well. The first is this, is that we want to know God for who he truly is. Know God for who he truly is. What do I mean by that? Well, here's some context for the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 6 where we are. Um, this is Moses giving some instruction. He's really like preaching a message to the people of Israel, God's chosen people, okay? So Moses is, is preaching a message to God's chosen people, and he's giving them application steps to the law that was given on Mount Sinai. So, right, if you remember, Moses went up and received the law from God on the mountain, then he came back down, he has this law, and this is really Moses saying, here's what the Ten Commandments look like lived out. I'm telling the people of God, I'm telling the nation of Israel, here's what the, the, the law looks like actually lived out. Here's how you can be obedient to God. So this text is part of that, okay? This is Moses giving instruction about how um, the people of God can follow him and love him. And so this, this part, this text, pretty well known, it's called the Shema, okay? Which in Hebrew means hear from that first word. That didn't really matter, but it might impress your parents later if they ask you what you learned. You could say we learned about the Shema, okay? So you can, you can write that down and remember that, which means hear in Hebrew. But in this part, Moses says, essentially, 
right? In, in chapter 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He says, listen up. Listen, God's chosen people. What's the first thing, what's the first thing he says? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This declaration that the Lord is one Okay, more kind of background context here, would have stood against all the other cultures of that time that were polytheistic, meaning they had many gods. Okay, so this is, this is standing against, this is different. This is, this is like Moses saying, the one true God, the one creator of everything, the one true God, the, the real living God, that God, the one true God, he is our God. He is our God. God. And this declaration is pretty important. Right? This, is, this, is how, this is how he starts off. We start, and the same is true for us, right? We start, we have to have a proper understanding of who God is. We have to know who, who our God is. We have to understand him rightly. We have to understand who God is, right? This is important for us, for the people of God to declare, right, that there is no thing, no person, there's no, there's no anything that can compare to our God, right? There is nothing, nobody worthy of our worship. There's nobody else that our devotion should go to except for the one true God, our God. We have to understand, we have to have a proper understanding of who God is first before we can move on. And remember, this is important when reading the Old Testament, Right, that this statement was not made directly to us. Right? Moses was writing to the people of God, Israel, at a specific time as they were waiting to enter the promised land. Right? So this, these words are not specifically written to us, but they are for us to understand who God is and what he's done and how we can live and how we can worship him. Okay? So they're not to us, but they're for us. So this text is telling us we must begin with a declaration and an understanding of who God truly is. Who is he really? Who has he revealed himself to be? We must believe, right? Believe in our heart. We must believe correctly who God is before we can move on to action. Because what we believe about God, what we, what we think about him and what we believe about him drives our actions, Okay, what, what we believe about God matters in how we live our lives. What we believe about God shapes what we do. Would you agree with that? How you, what you believe about God determines how you will live your life. And I think that's true. And we live, congratulations, we live at the best time in redemptive history or in biblical history. Why is that? Well, because we have the full revelation of God. Okay, and we, we take this for granted a lot, but we have the full revelation of God. God has revealed himself completely to us. Yes, through nature, but specifically through his word. We have, we have everything that we need to know of him to know him and follow him, right? And, and to love him perfectly. We, we know him for who he truly is because he's revealed himself to us in scripture, right? Nobody else before the New Testament had this. This is, this is amazing that we get to live in this time. I hope you're getting excited, as excited as I am, okay? Your faces aren't showing excitement, but I know you're deep down, you're really excited, okay? 
Nobody else in Scripture has had this. And we know now, now we know, the people of Israel didn't know this at the time, but now we know God for who he truly is. He has revealed himself to us. We know that he is three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? But yet one being, right, that, that ha- has had a plan from the beginning of time that God the Father would send God the Son to save a people for himself and that God the Holy Spirit would dwell in those people to confirm that they really are his. This is amazing. We know God for who he truly is, and we have to believe that and understand that. As God's people, do we know God for who he truly is? And what I'm getting at here is that we as the people of God now, as those of us in Christ, we must base our lives, we must live our lives on a proper understanding of who God is. If we don't, things get a little wonky, right? If, if, we, don't, if we don't base our lives on, on who God truly is, things get weird. Because if I think, if I believe that God is just like some genie in a bottle, that um, I, I just like ask for things and then he does it for me whenever I ask, If I think that about God, if I believe that about God, I'm going to spend a lot of my time bitter and confused when he doesn't answer all of my prayers. If that's what I believe about God, my life is not going to reflect full devotion to who he truly is because that's not who God is. He's not a genie in a bottle. If I think that God is just some sort of like fun-loving you know, he's this guy, that kind of the big man upstairs, he's looking out for me, like that sort of thing. If that's what I believe about God, I'm not going to understand the radical call to holiness and his hatred of sin. If I think that God is just some, some guy who's looking out for me and really wants what's best for me. Some of those things, though true, are not fully who God is. So if I have a misunderstanding of who God is, I'm, I'm not going to live my life in the way that he would understand. And, and on the other hand, if I think God is just some far-off, distant, Zeus-like character who's ready to zap me with a lightning bolt every time I mess up, if I think that about God, then I'm not going to understand the radical grace offered to me in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So do you understand how important it is that we have a right understanding of who God is in order to follow him and worship him rightly? This matters for our relationships. And Moses says here that we have to know God for who he truly is before we start to live our lives, okay? So know God for who he truly is as he's revealed himself ultimately in the person and work of Jesus Christ as revealed to us through the scriptures. Know God for who he truly is. Next, Next up, we must love God with everything, right? That's pretty self-explanatory. I think you can see that in the text. We're supposed to love God with everything. Look at verse 5. Jesus quoted this, by the way, and said it's the greatest commandment when he was asked. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You shall love you shall love. What, it, what does it mean to love? What is love? Somebody finish it. Thank you. Baby, don't hurt me. Yes. What is, what is love? What is love? This is talking about our affections, okay? So yes, love is more than a feeling. That is true. 
Love is not just a feeling. It's more than that. Love is, love is a choice. Love is a decision. Right? We talk about that a lot. But it is not, it, it does involve our feelings. Okay? Love does involve our feelings or our affections. Okay? So this, this is important for us to understand because sort of like how what we believe about God affects the way that we live, what we love drives our actions. What we love, what we have affection for, it, it, it shapes the way that we live, right? What we love drives our actions. I think you know this to be true, right? You love your dog. So what do you do? You feed him or her, you pet him or her, you cuddle with them, okay? I love my dogs, right? I love my dogs. What I love, I love them. It drives me to do something. Does that make sense? So what you love drives your actions. It affects the way that you live, right? You might love Marvel so much that you went and saw Infinity Wars 50 times, right? I, I don't know. Very polarizing though, okay? So we, we, we love these things so we do something about it, okay? What we love affects the way that we live our lives. I think we can all agree with that. And there are many things in this life that are lovely, that are lovable, things that we love like our dog, like good food, like right? In, in, in a deeper way, people, right? Our parents, our kids, our spouses, right? We, we love these people. We love these things, and so it drives us to do something, right? So our affections, our love for people, right? We have to understand that when we have a proper understanding of who God is and what he has done, he should be, he, he then becomes the most lovely person to us, because when we understand what God has done for us in acting in the person and work of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, when we understand, when we grasp God for who he truly is and what he has done for us, suddenly, hopefully, he becomes the most lovely person to us. So then, then that shapes the way that we live our lives. All of a sudden, we, we want to do the things that are honoring to God. We want to, to cultivate that relationship because we love him, because we have a, a right understanding of what he's done and how much he loves us, right? Because his love is perfect for us in Christ. Because of what Jesus has done, he has demonstrated. He's shown us how much he loves us in that when Christ, wait, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He has demonstrated that love, right? So we have to love him in, in return. We should have a love for him, which is always going to be imperfect, right? There's always going to be sin. We can never love him perfectly the way that he loves us perfectly, yet we, we should still try because of what he has done for us. That should be our desire, right? We want our affections to be stirred up toward God. We want to love him more and more. How do we do that? Well, we should, we should remind ourselves of, the, of what God has done over and over again. If you ever read the Psalms, that's, that's a lot of what it is. The Psalms were the songs of the people of God, and they, they sang these things and recounted what God has done. They sang about everything that God had done for them. Right? And that's what we have to do each and every day. We have to remind ourselves of what God has done for us. In the person and work of Jesus, do you, do you realize what he's done in saving you? Right, remind yourself of those things. We like to call it preaching the gospel to yourself. Okay? We have to remind ourselves of what God has done for us. So do you love God 
for who he is and what he's done? That's the question. Do you love God for who he is and what he's done? What are, what are your feelings? What are your affections? What, are your, what is your love toward God right now? What do you believe about him? What do you think about him? Do, do you love him for who he truly is? Because God is ultimately lovely, and we are called to love him with everything, our whole heart, soul, might. Okay. These first two things have been pretty universal truths about living, living life God's way, right? We have to understand who he truly is, and then we are supposed to love him with everything. And then this third one is maybe more specific to, to families, parenting, or, or one generation teaching the next generation, okay? So this is important for all of us as we, as we base our understanding uh, of, on what God says. So uh, the last one is this. Parents, or the, the, the older generation, teach and talk about God's word. Teach and talk about God's word. Right in verse 7, he says, you shall, talking about these words, everything that, that Moses is saying, which is the word of God, he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Teach them diligently, right? And these last couple of verses is a command to parents to teach the things of God to their children and a bit on how to do it as well. So the text is to parents, right? But I want to say that the children, the younger generation, most of us in here, we also have a responsibility to learn and to understand the things that are being taught to us, right? So, so you should do your best to soak up the word of God that is being taught to you in your life groups, in your home if that's happening, right? You should do your best to, to learn and receive these things, right? So um, if you're a student in the room today, when somebody older than you, a parent, whoever it is, is teaching you about the things of God, listen and learn. Soak it up. They're being obedient to what God has called them to do. Right? So parents are to teach the word of God to their children. Repeat the things of God over and over again. Impress them on the hearts of, of the younger generation of their children. Make it, make it stick. Right? Work hard at it. Teach diligently. What does this look like? Well, he, he tells us it's, it's talking about the things of God. And he goes on a list, right? When you sit in your house. Question, uh, how often does your family, whatever your family looks like, whatever your situation, circumstance, how often does your family sit together? Sit together in your house. How often do you just have time to sit together? Right? I don't know. Is technology involved? Is TV at the center? Um, right? All sort of diagnostic questions. Right? When we sit together as a family, whatever that gathering might look like, we're to be talking about the things of God. That's what Moses is calling us. That's what God is calling us to do here in this text. When, we, when we're sitting together, talk about the things of God. When you walk by the way, right? This, this would have been like traveling, right? So um, what is, does, does your family talk while you're in the car? <laughs> Do you, do, you talk about, do you talk about the things of God whenever you're traveling? What, what, what does that look like when you, when you walk by the way or when you're traveling? Okay, um, When you're going to the grocery store, going to practice, going to school, what, what, is, what does that situation look like for your family? Just think about it. And then uh, when, you, when you lie down, which means when you go to bed, and then when you rise up, right? when you wake up in the morning. So 
night, day, when you're traveling, when you're sitting in your house. Really, this is all-encompassing of every area of our lives as a family. God is calling us to recount the things of God, to be talking about what God has done, to be talking about his word, to be focused on him in everything that we do. Right, All of these times is essentially every area of our family lives that it would be centered on the things of God and his word. That's what he's calling us to. Right? Now, we will never do it perfectly. We will, we will never do it perfectly. But, but if we get those other things right, if we understand God for who he truly is, what he's done, and when we seek to love him with everything, this is the natural outflow that we want to talk about these things, that we want to talk about how good God has been to us and what he's done for us. Okay? Um, and it, yeah, if, if what we said is true, if God is the one true God that has saved us from our sin in Jesus Christ, if God is the one true God who has redeemed us, who has saved us, who gives us purpose, hope, meaning, joy, and not just in this life, but eternal joy, that we could never imagine. If, if those things are true, don't, don't we, don't you, like how do your affections feel right now as I'm speaking? As I talk about those things, do you, do you feel something in you? I hope you do. All right, when you read these words, I hope, I hope you feel something. I want you to believe these truths. I want you to know it and I want you to live it out. Because that, that's, that's true joy, right? Found only in God. And I get it. There's a million other things that you could be doing other than reading the Bible and talking about God in, in your family. There, there are a million other things. We're, really, we're a really busy society. We keep ourselves busy with a lot of stuff. We got all kinds of practices and, uh, you know, whatever. But, but if these things are true, is there anything more important to focus our lives on, to devote our lives to, than the things of God and what he has done for us? I don't think so. So what might this look like? A few application steps. Um, read the Bible together as a family, whatever your family looks like, or find some people to read, read the Bible together. Right, we're going to be going through the book of Acts this summer once we get back from, from beach camp. Get your parents involved. Why not? Read, read the book of Acts together and, and talk about it as, as a family. That could be an easy win. Right, share, okay, share what God has done in your lives individually as a family and as a family at dinner times, whenever you eat together. Just make that a priority to talk about the things of God and what he's been doing in your lives at family. And, and again, this won't always be great things because right, we still live in a sinful, fallen world where difficult stuff happens. Right? So o- around your family, the people that love you most, hopefully the people that love God as well, maybe this isn't everybody's case, this wouldn't have been my case, but, but you should have a, a, the ability, the situation, circumstance where you can wrestle through some difficult things and talk about the things of God with people that love you and care about you. That, that would be ideal. So share what God has done in your lives with people around you. Um, and then pray together each morning and evening, right? Uh, probably when a lot of you were little kids, if you grew up going to church, your parents prayed with you uh, each night or you would pray, right? You would say these cute little prayers that are, that are always great. Right? Why would that ever stop? <laughs> it's not like you outgrow praying when you get to be a teenager. Right? So, so maybe, maybe still have a time at night whenever you're, you're praying together as a family each morning and evening. Okay, remember these things. 
No family is perfect, and we will all make mistakes, but we can always be growing in our love for God, right, in our devotion to Him. We can always be growing, right? And doing what God says, like being obedient to God is always better than not. Being obedient to God, doing what God says is always the right decision, is always better than not doing what God says. Okay, that, that's, that's important for us to understand, right? Um, I don't think when we reach the end of our days, and I know this is hard for, for some of us younger students to understand, but when we reach the end of our days, whenever that is, before glory, I don't think we're going to look back and say, man, I really spent too much time meditating on the Word of God and talking about it with my family, the people that I love the most. I really, really wish I would have dialed back on the times where we talked about the faithfulness of God and what he's done for us in Jesus. Those are the things that should be at the forefront of our, of our minds and in our hearts. In the last bit of this text, verses 8 and 9, I'm about to finish, about putting the word of God on your hands and between your eyes and on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Right? What, what's Moses, what's he talking about there? Essentially, He's saying the people of God should be continually thinking about, meditating on, and being directed by his words, by the words of God, continually, right? This probably isn't supposed to be taken literally. Probably not. Maybe it is. But think about it. How often do you look at your hands? Anytime you do anything, right? Like you look at your hands whenever you do something, boom, the word of God. This is what this image is, is saying. This is what Moses is saying. Anytime you look at your hands, there's, there's the word of God. There's the, there's the good commandments of God for my good and his glory. Here's what I'm supposed to do, right? Anytime, um, right, how often do you look ahead? Anytime your eyes are open, right? Anytime your eyes are open, boom, there it is, the word of God. Frontlets between my eyes, right, right there. Anytime my eyes are open, I'm focused on, on God, right? And then the last one, any, like, the doorposts of your house and on your gates, on your wall. Anytime you go in and out of your house, how often do you do that? Anytime you look at your door, boom, there it is, the word of God. Now, do you see the image? It's what Moses is trying to get through. It's what God is saying. That, I mean, the people of God should be continually directed and focused on what God has called them to do, all for his good and for our, our good, for our good and for his glory, okay? God's way of parenting, really God's way of living life is one centered entirely, focused entirely on him. Knowing him for who he truly is, who he has revealed himself to be in scripture. We can know him. We can know him for who he truly is. Understand him for who he truly is. We're to love him with everything that we have. And then teach that to the next generation. Parents, teach that to your children, okay? Um, the band is going to come back up. I'm, I'm finishing up a few things in response that I want to say. Um, I want to reiterate again a right, a correct understanding of who God is and what he's done is crucial. It's vital. It is foundational. A right understanding of who God is and what he has done is, is of utmost importance to us, for us, to live a joy-filled 
life of obedience to God and having a family that does the same, right? So understanding God for who he truly is, is is vital for us to live a joy-filled life of obedience that glorifies God and having a family that does as well, okay? And if what I suggested to you earlier about talking about the things of God essentially all the time, um, if, which is what the Bible tells us to do, if that like freaks you out or sounds awful, let's, let's think about what we believe about God. Let's maybe re-examine who we, who we really believe God is and who we, who we think he is. If, if the thought of talking about him is like terrible. <laughs> because if it's true, if it, like I said earlier, I'm just repeating myself, but if, if God truly has acted to save you in Jesus Christ, apart from nothing that you have done, to give you uh, eternal joy, if that is true, don't you, don't, you want to, don't you want to talk about those things, especially with the people that you love the most? I'm preaching to myself here. So let's love God for who he truly is and follow him. Not who we want him to be, right? Because who he truly is, who God really is, is far better than anything that our sinful human minds could ever come up with, right? We, 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 didn't, we don't create God in our image. He created us in his image, right? We don't get to, we don't get to say who God is. He says who we are. He, he created us, right? So let's teach, parents, and talk about everybody, the things of God as often as possible. It's not weird. It's worth it. Last thing. Students, can you help your parents more, or whoever your guardian is? Can you, can you help them? Uh, can you help them? Are you honoring them and listening to them and their teaching? Students, do you encourage one another in your devotion to Jesus? Let's do that. Let's be a people that loves God, loves him with everything, that loves his word, and that teaches it to the next generation. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.